You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the place that the UFC and Bellator come to for the inside scoop of what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. The doors of the gym are opened up just for you. We are the MMA Insiders. Here are your hosts, Jason Floyd of the MMA Report and the president of Combat Sports Media, Sam Kaplan. On Tuesday of this week, the UFC and Walt Disney announced that the UFC has signed a multi-year agreement deal for the UFC to go on ESPN+. And we're going to break it down here on this episode of the MMA Insiders Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Floyd. He is Sam Kaplan. Sam, uh, first off, uh, obviously this was uh, you know surprising news. Uh, I think especially when you, when you hear about the reported uh, figure that ESPN is going to be paying uh, the UFC for five years. But what, what was your initial thoughts when you heard the news? Well, from two different perspectives, I look at this. From a macro perspective, a more long-term perspective, and then a micro perspective. From a micro perspective, we had the Variety report, I believe it was April. I mean, as recently as last month, last than 30 days, telling us that there was a potential team up between ESPN and Fox for our rights, rights field fee deal with the UFC. And, you know, the big gist of the ESPN portion was reported to be a digital play on ESPN plus, not necessarily ESPN proper from. So, you know, from from that perspective, no surprise at all. We, we, we knew this was coming. Or very close to, to happening at the very least. From a macro perspective, this deal is a sign of the changing times. When the UFC can get $150 million per year, which is rumored, we, we don't know that that's official, but I, I really believe that when Variety and some of these other mainstream sources report it, it's not necessarily ESPN putting it out there, because if they wanted it out there, they just would have put it in the press release. I believe it's you know, WME, IMG putting this out there through their operatives, you know, doing it as a blind item to, you know, they, they don't want to be quoted, but they're, they're, they want that information out there. All all uh, promotions and, and, and franchises and leagues, they want that, you know, when it's, a, when it's a great deal, they want that number out there one way or the other because it just helps with the perceived value. So from a macro perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a surprise because – you know, it wasn't that long ago, Jason, when the UFC was getting twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year from Spike TV for the full Monty, the regular traditional TV package, all the biggest fights that were not on pay-per-view, they were getting twenty-five to thirty million. This, by all definition, is a secondary TV package, and they're getting a, a rumored slash reported hundred and fifty million dollars a year. For secondary content, yeah, you know that that was one of the questions that that we got, and we're going to get into all the questions that were submitted uh, on Twitter. Uh, you know, George, uh, you know, at George, one UFC fan, the deal is rumored to be worth 150 million. Do you think that is a real number? And if so, what will they be able to get for the TV deal? I have to assume twice that amount, in my opinion. You know, I think when you get 150 million for a streaming deal, um, you know, you have to wonder. You know, the, the rumors out there have been Fox has pretty much kind of been saying 250 million. But even if they just get 250 million, Sam, they get the 400 million they're looking for. Exactly. You know, this the ti- timing is everything, Jason. It, it really is because 
when this digital package was being shopped and rumors and reports were leaking out, Hulu and Amazon were rumored to be the desired parties that the UFC wanted to get the deal done with. And the numbers that I had been told were, you know, the, you know, on the optimistic side, the UFC would have been happy getting 80 to $100 million a year for this secondary digital package. So for them to walk away with $150 million, it takes off a tremendous amount of pressure. This deal for the traditional rights package has been sitting out there a long time now. They were supposed to have not only signed, sealed, and delivered this deal, but also it should have been announced months ago. But because IMG, you know, IMG WME could not get the price that they were looking for, it, it, it's been out there. You know, they were just hoping someone would come in, that a savior would come in, and you know, bid up the rights. And that savior never came, at least not in the traditional sense. You know, ESPN Plus, they're they're. It's not going to have a direct impact necessarily on the value of the traditional TV rights package, but it, from a comparative standpoint, WME, IMG, they can still take this to potential traditional partners and say, look, we're getting $150 million a year for our streaming, for our digital package. You know, you're, you're offering us only $50 million or more a year for the bigger package. You know, the, the value doesn't make sense here. You've got to, you've got to, uh, this up. So even if they don't have necessarily another big time suitor for the traditional package, by comparative measures, this deal that they've put out there, that the, the the number that's been put out there, 150 million dollars a year, it creates value one way or the other. It does create value. But we haven't gotten, I haven't gotten your thoughts on this. Look, I, I, if the 150 million dollar a year is accurate number, like this is a grand slam for the UFC, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is this is unbelievable. It's more than that. It's more than that, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you my opinion as to why when when you're done. But yeah, I mean, I, I, that's you know, I, I did my my uh, regular MMA report podcast last night, and and that's what we were talking about. Is and we talked about various aspects of this, but you know, I, I you know, I think I, I started off with just saying, you know, kudos to the UFC, uh, you know, for getting this deal done, and, and obviously, and we had a question, uh, more of a, a statement from Scott, where you know, and he says, you know, look, you know, until we know the the details of the broadcast deal, it's hard to say, uh, you know, if this is a win, but you know, the ESP does have a crown jewel for their service now and you know they're going to give people a reason to ultimately you know especially January 2019 to, to pay that five bucks a month um, you know I, I think some of the things that you know really came to my mind when when this came out um, I, I think potentially a, a big winner for this is a UFC fan so instead of paying 999 a month uh, you know because I, I think that a majority of, of the people that subscribe to UFC fight pass are just there for UFC content that um, you know the, the regional MMA uh, the other things that are on UFC fight pass is it, just kind of like a, a perk of it uh, I think if the big losers in this Sam are all those regional promotions that are on fight yeah. pass because you uh, you know, some of those promotions we both know they rely so much on that right fee they are getting from the UFC. All of a sudden, I don't, I don't see how the UFC can justify nine 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 a month if you're, you know, you're going to have fifteen live events on uh, on ESPN Plus. I mean, so to me that that's a big loser in this. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, hey, as an MMA fan, if you just want UFC uh, streaming content, um, you know, you're going to be able to get that at ESPN Plus. You know, you know, when it comes to the fight library, I mean, if you want the extensive fight library, it means you're probably going to have a fight pass. But you know, my guess is that a majority 
majority of the people, and, and I am in this group, that the only reason to have a Fight Pass subscription is for live UFC content. Um, you know, and I've talked about this, you know, when I look at the Fight Pass product currently, there there's not a lot of things that draw me to that content. Now, coming up in June when the Contender Series starts, that's something that, that draws me uh, to the to that to the product. Yes, it's not a quote unquote UFC event, but we all really know it, it truly is uh, a UFC. I mean, I mean, let's just call it. It's, it's really the AAA of the UFC, which I, I think the UFC has done a great job uh, in that. But I mean, I, I think overall, as I said, if if the figure of one hundred fifty million dollars a year is true, grand slam for the UFC. You mentioned, you know, the how it could impact the regional promotions if the UFC goes away. And Front Row Brian, you know, had a tweet that kind of pretty much stated the same thing. And, I, you know, had me thinking, you know, really, there is no reason after the Dana White, con- uh, after the, de- the next season of the Dana White Contender Series, once this transitions, the Dana White show transitions to ESPN Plus, there's no reason to subscribe to Fight Pass unless you want those three fights uh, on Fight Pass for the non-ESPN Plus prelims. You're not going to even get the ESPN Plus prelims. All 12 fights for an ESPN Plus show will air on ESPN Plus. So, you know, they're, they're, they're already losing some content in that regard, you know. So there's just not going to be enough content, basically. You know, there's not going to be enough content to justify this. And so I would say a year from now, Jason, I would be shocked if we still have a UFC fight pass. And the way that it hurts the regional promoters is if they lose that deal, not only are they going to lose the the uh, rights fee, you know, that, that, that props a lot of these promotions up, but they will lose the prestige factor because that is a big deal. When you're competing in the same market with other local promoters and you have a lot of that in the major metropolitan areas – you know, if, if I'm doing a show here in Philadelphia and I've got, you know, another show that's, you know, competing with me in New Jersey or other parts of PA and I've got the fight pass deal and they don't, when I go to negotiate with fighters to compete on my show and they're also getting offers from the other promotion, I don't necessarily have to offer more than what the off, the other promotion's offering. If I'm offering a thousand and a thousand and they're offering a thousand and thousand, that those two, even though they're dollar wise on paper, they're equal, they're really not. If I can tell them that, hey, you're going to get the exposure of being on Fight Pass, plus I have those relationships with the UFC. So if you do really well here, you're going to be very visible to the UFC matchmakers and their talent development team. I win that fight with the other promotion to get that fighter on my uh, on my show nine out of ten times i would say 99 out of 100 times there's really very little upside if the dollar amount is the same and i'm offering more exposure so they're going to lose the rights fee and they're going to lose that that having that you know that cachet that that comes with that that prestige factor that's going to go away and uh it's it's you know i think we're going to see a lot of regional promotions disappear if UFC Fight Pass disappears. Oh, I agree, you know, and, and I'm, I can tell you, me, me and Front Row Brian had a conversation yesterday kind of in, in relation to this. And it, the part about, I, I think, for, for those promoters, if, you know, if, if there is a struggle on the ticket selling aspect of this and Fight Pass, uh, you know, goes away, you know, th- those promotions are are in trouble. I mean, there's no question. I mean, I, I think that uh, Fight Pass may ultimately exist for Invicta FC because it is a uh, 
you know, a, a triple A for the UFC in terms of their women's divisions. I mean, look, I'm, I know there's fans out there that, you know, they'll probably gladly pay 10 bucks a month if uh, there, there's all these regional promotions out there. But I think overall, I mean, um, you know, and, and the UFC, I think never they've never publicly come out and said how many subscribers they've had. I think the highest number I heard was maybe in the 400,000 range. Um, you know, and we got the question from at uh, JGU9510 on Twitter. He said, I'd imagine this would be a talking point, but is this a death nail for Fight Pass? I also uh, can't imagine the same pay-per-view model of 13 a year will last long either. I, I, look, I, I think pay-per-view, I don't... I. You know, unless some magical TV deal comes along, I don't think they're reducing the pay-per-views, even though I would love to see uh, them do that. Um, but I, I do, if, you, if you're paying attention to what the UFC is doing over the next couple months, they are making a point of really making pay-per-views great. You, uh, you know, this Saturday's pay-per-view, eh, it's okay. Um, you know, to me, the best fight on the card is actually the co-main event of Jacare and Gastelum. Um, you know, Amanda Nunez, I mean, she's been on two massive pay-per-views and they really haven't been able to develop her as someone people go out of the way to watch for. But you look at that June pay-per-view, you look at the July pay-per-view, you look at potentially what that August pay-per-view can be, even though, uh, Sam, I call complete BS. I have GSPs on the cards in the co-main event. I'm calling complete <laughs> BS on yeah, that, Dana White. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. You're not, look, you're not, you're not putting GSP under Dillashaw Garbrandt because look, while that is a great bantamweight fight, and I've always said this, my perspective on things I believe is extremely different than pretty much anyone else who covers MMA. And that's because I do marketing for a restaurant group and one of our properties is a sports bar that shows UFC events. So I have a really good idea of who draws. I'm going to tell you right now, if GSP's not on that car, we're not going to have the type of crowd that we'll have if it's just you know Garbrandt and Dillashaw. It's not look. It's not trying to be negative about that fight. It's just being honest. Yeah, I don't know why he says some of these things. We talked about it in the last episode. He's just he's been saying certain things that really hurt his own credibility. Another point that I want to double back to is the value of this deal. It's to me, it's more than a grand slam, Jason, because I look at it from a promoter's perspective having promoted shows and been a matchmaker and understanding the dollar values of everything, this could be more than a grand slam. And the reason why is from a profit margin perspective, this could be a more profitable deal for them than the traditional rights fee package that they get from what I presume to be Fox. I think it's going to be, you know, I think that's the other shoe that's going to drop. I think the Fox deal will be announced very soon. So to me, those Fox shows and the FS1 shows from a fighter salary standpoint, venue procurement standpoint, I think those are pretty expensive shows. I think that the way that they could possibly do these ESPN Plus shows, they could do them in a way that we have not before seen. It could be a different format for the UFC because streaming is different than traditional rights fee deal. It just It's just different. The, the, the ratings don't really matter as much subscriptions, yes, they matter somewhat, but there's a lot of other content on ESPN besides just the UFC. So if the subscription numbers aren't great and ESPN wants to come and point the finger at the UFC, the UFC can always say, hey, look, you haven't promoted this. You have your own regular channel, ESPN, that's still subscribed to by you know 80 to 100 million households through 
traditional cable cable distribution ship. So, you know, we got on the ground floor with this with you, you know, don't point the finger at us. So they can come out there and they can do the first couple shows big. They can get a couple big main events. But after that, they could gradually decline the quality of the cards and essentially present what I think I, I project to be, uh, you know, I think the evolution of this deal will be basically the quality. It, it'll be their version of Strike Force Challengers or Showbox. I mean, they could go to smaller venues, save money that way on the, the, the rent or go start going to smaller casinos and actually get site fee deals. Um, get paid, you know, to do the shows and, and, and limit their local marketing and just put younger fighters that aren't established, essentially make, make that their real AAA, call it the UFC, so they have that branding, um, and then do a couple big fights per year on ESPN Plus whenever uh, ESPN calls to complain about the quality of the shows. I mean, the profit margin on those shows could be astronomical if they want to run it that way. And I, I, I got to believe because the biggest question that I, I have about this deal, it is a grand slam from a financial perspective, but from a long-term growth perspective, I don't know if the UFC, maybe outside of fat, Fight Pass, has ever been on a platform that will be as lightly watched as ESPN+. Plus. Here's a, another from the financial aspect, Sam, and, and I, I haven't seen anything where, where news this has come out. Is ESPN paying production cost? I've got to believe that they are. I mean, and that's that would if if the UFC is turning over production, which is something they have not done before. They run their own production, and, and that was something that's been talked about over the last six or nine months about the new TV deal that they're open to this. That that's another aspect of this where it's very financially beneficial to them. I I do, you know, look is if you know, if you're looking, you're doing fifteen ESPN Plus shows. Uh, you know, a number that's been thrown out there. In terms of their traditional TV rights deal is 24 shows. And if you're doing 13 pay-per-views, Sam, man, you're not cutting back on the shows. And, and that's where you wonder, will the quality of the cards on ESPN Plus be something that doesn't get fans to go out of their way? You know, and one of the things of, and we got a question in relation to this, uh, from Jeremy about, uh, you know, what we suggest customers, uh, do to get the best and most out of their money. I mean, look, I think in January 2019, you just pay, uh, you know, the $4.99 a month for ESPN Plus. I believe it's, you know, just under $50 for the year. So I think you save about 10, 10 bucks on the year if you buy a year subscription. But, you know, I think overall, if you're a sports fan, I, I think the UFC going to ESPN Plus is just going to be added value of why, um, you know, to, to ultimately become a subscriber to that streaming service. Yeah, because you're going to be paying half the money that you currently pay for Fight Pass. Plus, you're going to get additional not only additional UFC content but you're gonna get a lot of decent sports content you're gonna get you know a lot of good college sports um there's the the talk is that Aram's uh you know top rank a lot of their boxing shows will will be carried on ESPN plus as well um I, I you know I heard I, I don't have ESPN plus but I believe they do I think they might have a couple major league baseball games on per week you know so that that's it's just a better overall value. But at the end of the day, Jason, like we talked about earlier, I don't think fight pass is going to be around. And it's interesting because when the deal was being shopped, you know, there was a lot of stuff rumored, a lot of content pieces that were going to be rumored to be a part of the digital package. Uh, you know, everything that ESPN plus got that was rumored. But in addition to that, you know, Dana White's looking for a fight. That show was rumored. Um, 
exclusive access to the library. And this ESPN Plus deal, you're going to have access to the Fight Vault, but it's not going to be exclusive access for ESPN Plus. You know, you'll be able to get all those fights, but you'll be able, potentially be able to get them elsewhere. And there's some other components that there that exist on Fight Pass, like the UFC prelims. You won't be getting the UFC uh, ESPN Plus prelims because it's you're going to just get that through Plus. Um, but if you're a Fight Pass subscriber uh, and it still existed, you know, past June 2019, you would still theoretically get the three fights that you're getting for FS1 and and uh, FS1 shows. So what happens to those fights? You know, so the so what I'm trying the, the point that I'm trying to make here, there's the potential for the UFC to still go to a Hulu, to still go to an Amazon or another streaming network out there, maybe smaller, and still sell some of the asset components that currently still exist on UFC Fight Pass that aren't scheduled to transition over in 2019. They could still sell more of these assets off to other streaming networks, especially considering that the vault can still be licensed and sold to other partners. That's, you know, a thing that I notice. I have multiple streaming networks on um, on my Apple TV and I'll see the same movie or same TV series across multiple platforms. I'll see something that's on Hulu, a movie that's on Hulu, and it's also streaming on Amazon Prime. So, you know, these streaming networks aren't necessarily as territorial as the traditional media outlets. So it's very possible, Jason, that, uh, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me if maybe they picked up another 20, 30 to 40 million in a third deal with a that's uh, just basically a smaller digital package. People may remember they actually did a deal with Amazon a couple months ago for their pay-per-views yeah. uh, to be available. I mean, I have the Amazon Prime. I have Netflix. Um, and I have direct TV. I will tell you this in terms of Netflix. Um, I know I, I see you tweeting about basketball for, for our basketball listeners. I don't know if you've seen the Vince Carter documentary on Netflix. Really no. good. It's oh, really I'll good. Yeah. Basically it's just kind of the, the storyline of it is basically how, um, Vince Carter is a guy who, who really made Toronto into a basketball city. And it was a, a really good documentary. Also, I haven't watched yet, but the Connor, um, McGregor documentary is also on Netflix now. Yeah, I need to check that out. Um, you know, um, another uh, question. Uh, we got a question from Wrestling Roundtable that we kind of talked about in terms of what's the future of, of Fight Pass. But we got another question that, I, Sam, I, I didn't really understand this. Um, and I guess it's more of a comment from at DirtyBird212. He says, I don't know how much that really benefits them. Yeah, they talk MMA and show highlights. But if they want to be in the MMA business, they'd be better picking up PFL or ACB or Fight Nights Global, something consistent and with solid names that draw an MMA audience in. I, I, Look, I appreciate the comment. <laughs> ESPN wants brand names. Yeah. And when it comes yeah. to casual, if I walk into a bar right now and I ask 10 people sitting at a bar watching, you know, whatever's on, you know, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, I guarantee you nearly none of them know PFL, ACP, or Fight Nights. While in the, the hardcore MMA you know, bubble, everyone knows those, those acronyms. Outside of that bubble, no one knows who are. ESPN is looking for a brand. And in this, in this business, in the MMA business, the UFC is the brand you want. Yeah, I mean, those promotions that you just rambled off there, those are like ESPN 3 type promotions in which basically you you 
you know, reach out to ESPN and you beg to get on their, you know, online only uh, streaming and, and you either just cover your own production costs and you, you give it the content to them for free or you pay to get on ESPN three, you know, so th- that's what those promotions are. They're ESPN level, ESPN three level promotions. They're not ESPN plus. And really what ESPN plus was originally tended to be from what I've t- uh, I've heard from people in the industry, it was supposed to be ESPN proper, just the digital OTT play. You would just pay, you know, the ESPN direct and get ESPN from ESPN instead of through a middleman cable distributor. But from what I was told, a lot of the, the uh, current deals that they have with the uh, major sports leagues doesn't, it, there's no carve out for the digital rights it would have to be renegotiated. Plus a lot of the cable distributors got upset when they started hearing rumors that ESPN was going to take their full ESPN proper package and just sell it similar to how what HBO and Showtime does now, um, just direct to consumer. You know, the cable networks, they, they pay a high, high subscriber fee to ESPN. Uh, so they were not happy at all. So the timing to go, you know, a full level deal to go full on ESPN as an OTT play w- wasn't right. But I think that is where things are headed, not only for ESPN, but I think for the entire industry. We've talked about it for years now, Jason. That's the future of cable TV, really cable without cable. You just basically get your Fire Stick or your uh, Apple TV or whatever you use to turn your TV into a smart TV and buy the content direct from the actual provider, eliminate the middleman and cut some of the costs. So, you know, being that this is ESPN plus, but could turn into ESPN in the future, like you said, Jason, they're not going with secondary and third brands. They're only going with the best in breed when it comes to, to, uh, you know, these, these sports rights. You know, I, I do wonder, you know, at, at what point are, are there just so many streaming services out there that do people start turning back to, to cable and, and satellite? I mean, if you, if you want to, uh, Netflix, a Hulu, uh, you know, WWE Network, or whatever, maybe the MLB uh, TV package. I mean, I, I do kind of wonder are we are, are we getting closer and closer to that point where people maybe just say, hey, maybe I want to pay seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred dollars for cable as opposed to, you know, because I, you know, I was my Direct TV is up. I want to say October, November, my two year deal with them, and you know, and I'll, I'll see what kind of deal I can get. I, you know, fortunately for me, being a long time AT and T subscriber, I feel like I, I kind of get the the, the better deals that they do offer. Um, you know, but you know, you do look at the fact that there's just so there's so many streaming uh, services out there. I mean, you know, Direct TV now has their own streaming service that yeah. I think starts like thirty five bucks a month. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and I looked di- at it, YouTube have- TV. I have you. Well, I want to make a recommendation. You definitely should check out YouTube TV, and they do have a one month free trial. And this is not a paid advertisement. We don't have YouTube YouTube TV as a sponsor. I just have it in my everyday life because I was uh, I returned to cable because I had to get cable as part of my internet package. They gave me the cable for free. I was only paying for the internet, but the cable that I was getting was so bare bones it was ridiculous. So now I get YouTube TV. And it's really only the cable channels that most people would want. You're not going to get all those B-level and C-level channels. It's basically if you were were to go to a hotel um, and you'd get the best, highest-rated cable channels out there, that's what this package is for $40 a month. But the bonus is what separates it from a lot of the other skinny bundle packages out there. You get uh, the Comcast, the NBC Sports Regional, the RSNs. So for me, I live in Philadelphia. I get all the Sixers, Phillies, and Flyers games and a lot of the other skinny bundle packages. They do not have 
the uh, the NBC Sports RSNs. So you know, and I don't know what you have down there, Jason. I don't know whether or not it's it's Xfinity or Time Warner or who what your regional sports network is, but you definitely should look into YouTube, YouTube TV because for me, it is the most complete package. It also has Fox and FS1 as well. So I get, and I believe it also has FS2 even. So I get a lot of UFC content. Yeah, all of our our re, you know our regional sports teams, uh, you know Lightning, Magic, um, Rays, they're all on Fox Sports. You know the the Fox Sports regional channels there. I mean, and I believe doesn't YouTube also have a, a DVR function as well? Yes, it's awesome. It's it's yes, YouTube. I mean, to me, YouTube TV is is amazing. The only issues I have with it are sometimes the streaming quality, but I attribute that more probably to my Xfinity internet, which is not the best connection since I've moved. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things, and, and someone who works in marketing, I, I thought it was genius marketing by YouTube Red uh, last week to put the first two episodes of Cobra Kai up for free to, to hook oh, how people good is in. That show? How good is that show, Jason? That's yeah, so I, good. I, Have you seen it? I, I watched, uh, me and my wife watched the first episode over the weekend, and, and I guess for, you know, guys like at our age range, you know, we remember being kids and, uh, you know, the original, uh, you know, Karate Kid, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. it, you know, and, and of course, when I watched the first episode, I, I had no idea how much YouTube Red cost, and so after we watched it, I kind of saw, you know, saw it was like, you know, 10 bucks a month, um, you know, but I'm, I'm sure they've probably sold a lot of subscriptions just based on people watch the first two episodes of Cobra Kai, loved it, and they're like, well, I got to pay, you know, 10 bucks and probably binge watch the rest of the season. If you have YouTube TV, TV, you get free access to YouTube Red. That's part of the package. So it's for $40 a month, you're getting a ton of content. Yeah, I mean, and that's just, I mean, look, that's just the, the, the way we go here. I mean, you know, one of the things that um, I, I did think about about this UFC ESPN Plus deal is you have to, you do have to wonder what, what Viacom is sitting there and thinking. I mean, yes, um, it's been a rough year for Bellator in terms of television ratings overall when, when you look at, um, you know, they've only had two of their shows average over 500,000 viewers. Uh, you know, the mere Fedor fight, you know, the fight did well with over a million viewers, but, you know, the rest of uh, the card didn't do uh, great. You know, and you do wonder, you know, with the, the premier mixed martial arts organization getting a reported $150 million a year for a streaming service, you have to, you have to wonder, Viacom's got to be sitting there going, man, if what could we get for Bellator? It's, it would be natural for them to think that. The problem, though, is you could look to the UFC's value and say, well, if they're getting $150 million for a streaming package and if they're going to get 200 to $250 million for the traditional TV package, maybe we could get you know, $50 to $100 million for you know, offering everything that we have. The, the, the question is, though, who else out there outside of, the, outside of ESPN, Fox, and Viacom what other media company out there wants to get into the, the MMA business? And if they wanted to get into that business, why didn't they make a harder push for the UFC content? Mm -hmm. No, totally. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's enough interest out there. I don't think there's enough suitors. I don't think the sport of MMA is hot enough. And I don't think the Bellator product is hot enough to elicit a high dollar offer from another partner. One other thing, well, there's some other things I wanted to point out with this deal. Another thing that we have not talked about, Jason, with this deal, an added value to this that goes beyond the rumored reported $150 million a year. According to the reports I've read, ESPN proper is also going to run pay-per-view promotional specials. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And then yes. also WME IMG, they're going to have editorial control, production control of feature shows profiling their stars that they can put out on ESPN Plus. That's like that's that's advertising. Yeah, that's, correct. That's free advertising. You look at the pay-per-view promotional shows and then the the documentaries that they're going to do that they have complete control of. That's that's advertising. That's marketing and that's free. That's included in this deal. That's a value that goes above and beyond 150 million. Well, I shouldn't say beyond. It goes above 150 million dollars a year. Yeah, along with the 15 shows and Dana White's Contender Series, um, and this is all per the press release, uh, a new original all-access series produced by IMG Original Content, exclusive pre- and post-event shows for all 15 UFC on ESPN Plus fight nights, non-exclusive access to UFC's full archive of programming, including historical events, classic bouts, and original programming, uh, and additional UFC branded content, including UFC countdown shows, press conferences, weigh-ins, pre- and post-fight shows. And, you know, and I think the, if you're the UFC, you know, if a UFC countdown show premieres on or is shown on, on big ESPN, for instance, I mean, that, that's just that, that's just great marketing for the promotion where, um, you know, look, it's, you know, we are at a time right now where, um, you know, the, the audience for MMA is not what it once was. I mean, and anyone who does any type of business uh, in relation to MMA can tell you that. I mean, look, I can I can tell you that just based on um, the, the lack of, of audience that, that comes out for UFC pay-per-views like they once did. I mean, look, I, I remember a time where if you wanted to go out to watch a UFC pay-per-view, you better get there an hour or two before it starts if you want a, a seat or a table. Now you can pretty much show up right right at ten o'clock Eastern to pretty much any you know you know place that's showing the the pay per view and you know you're going to be able to get a seat. I mean, unless it's a, like a Connor fight. And also, the way that they'll be covered on SportsCenter and other news driven programs on ESPN proper platforms is probably going to increase. You're going to see them. You're going to see a lot more of ESPN on SportsCenter. That's for sure. That you know we we look at ESPN and how they've operated. Over the years, they're not a true journalistic outlet. A lot of the way they cover sports, both in the scrutiny level of how they, uh, you know, cover a sport, and then just the amount of overall exposure, ties into whether or not they are in bed with the league from a rights standpoint. If they have rights to a league, they cover it very gently, and they cover it a lot. If they don't have the rights, you don't see a lot. And if there is any kind of negative publicity out there they seize on that opportunity look at how the nhl has been covered not on espn and it's a total non-factor on sports center almost you know you you see very scant nhl coverage they've cut a lot of their nhl writers from from espn.com so once you're in bed with espn they treat their partners very well you know there have been certain personalities on the ESPN media media platforms that have tried to cover some of the leagues that ESPN's in bed with from a very non-biased perspective. And when they do that, when they're outspoken about some of these leagues, and you look at Bill Simmons, you look at Jason Whitlock, and you look at a couple of the other guys, it doesn't end well for them. You know, I mean, Dan Dan Levitard took a lot of heat for when he – you know, interviewed the the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Took a lot of heat because he – you know, he – 
did a real interview, asked him real questions and and challenged him. And I don't know if Dan Lebitard was suspended, but I'm sure he got a phone call because Major League Baseball complained and, and ESPN takes those calls and they take those calls seriously. So, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, production control. And in the past, the UFC has really pushed for that. But they don't really need to do that with ESPN because once you're in bed with ESPN, they're going to take good care of the UFC. They're not going to crap on one of their sports properties. So the UFC doesn't really necessarily need that control because that, that trust issue, there shouldn't be trust issues there. Just look at how ESPN treats its other clients, its other properties that it works with, and it treats them typically very well. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, I love that you brought up the NHL because as you were talking, that that was the 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 thought that I had was, man, you know, um, you know, just just you, you see it no, no matter you know what time of year it is, even if it's, it's a playoff time, and you know, and uh, you know, look, I, I like hockey, uh, but I'll be honest, if the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't playing, I, I don't really watch. Um, but you know, this is a time of year that even if you're not a hockey fan, there, there's nothing. I, I've said this: the greatest sporting event I've ever gone to is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. There's nothing like it, Sam. I've never been to a Stanley Cup Finals event. I would, it's, uh, you're on the edge of your seat every shot. Really? It's just, you know, and, and when the Lightning won the Cup back in, in 2004, uh, I was lucky enough. I was at the time working for a sports radio station, and, and I was in, in, in attendance. And, and it's it's nothing. I've never been to a, a Super Bowl game, so I can't compare it. But in, in sporting events I've gone to, there is nothing like a Game 7. It's just because you're, you're on the edge of your seat with every shot. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if if you live in a city where you got a hockey team, and you you got a chance. And look, and I'll say this: it's not cheap to go to a hockey game. It's just not. I mean, even in a market oh, it's like crazy expensive. I've never understood the cost of hockey. I, it, I just, look, I've never it, understood it. Even in in a you know where I live here in Tampa, we're we're media market. I want to say nineteen or twenty at this point. Um, you know, so you're not going to get the price that you get like in Canada or, or maybe even up in the Northeast, but you know, like the lightning are in the, in the conference finals. Um, and I just happened to look the other day for game one. It's, I think, I mean, your cheap tickets, 111, $111 before fees, Wow. you know, and, and, and look, and, and, and for the family of four, that's. That's a tough pill to swallow, you know, and that's why a lot of people, uh, you know, just sit at home or kind of like what you see with what goes up in Toronto with the Raptors, where they have all these fans out outside the building watching the game on a big screen. That's what happens here in Tampa is, you know, people want to be a part of the festivities, but they just, they just don't, you know, they can't, you know, financially afford to, to spend a couple hundred dollars on tickets for the family. They go out there, they bring a, a lawn chair and, and they sit on, on the arena plaza and watch the game on, on a big screen. And as big as it is, ESPN pretty much ignores the sport. So I yeah. think the UFC is going to be covered. And they do get a pretty decent amount of coverage already. But I think you're going to see a lot more UFC on SportsCenter. Get ready. Oh, no, no question. It's definitely uh, – and that's – and look, that's a, a great thing to, to help grow the sport. And this is, you know, this is something the sport needs. I mean, you just – you know, there, there's count, countless times where – whether it's me looking at uh, web analytics or, or various things, you just see, uh, you know, just just certain thing, you know, certain fights you think we get fans excited, but you know, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's all speculative, but you know, what if 
the ES, uh, the UFC was already on ESPN. Would Amanda Nunez potentially be a bigger star that maybe the, the, the UFC working with ESPN could, uh, tell the story of, of Amanda Nunez better than I think it's been told. I mean, the fact of, you know, the, the story of being the first openly gay UFC champion of, you know, if, if ESPN was kind of in control of telling that story, maybe Amanda Nunez is, is a bigger, uh, known athlete than she currently is. Yeah. You know, that's a good point, Jason, because there's nothing, you know, if, if WME, WME IMG, if they produce content for ESPN plus, and they do say a 30 minute special on Amanda Nunez, you know, there's nothing to really stop ESPN from editing some of that down into a two to three minute piece and running it across all their ESPN proper news platforms, whether it be outside the lines or sports center, you know, they, they could just, I mean, they could run a piece produced by WME IMG. That's purely promotional. And just run it across, you know, and just run it on their own platforms. I don't, I don't know if you have this up in Philadelphia, but uh, I don't know. Is, is Speedway the gas station up in Philadelphia? We have all, we have everything. I mean, Wawa is is the big deal here. Yeah, yeah. Think, Wawa, we have a couple in Florida, but yeah, we have a couple Speedways yeah, here and well, there. Yeah, Wawa has really been growing here uh, in the Tampa Bay area, but uh, Speedway really came into this market. I don't know about two years ago. Um, and, and I noticed this a couple of weeks ago when I was filling up that, you know, they've got a, you know, little, you know, screen and they're playing ESPN. It, it was, yeah. they were playing the, yeah. um, the Mike Greenberg new show. It was like a little clip of it. And I mean, and, and that would well, kind of what you're talking about all of a sudden, what if there's an ESPN clip there for, the fight night card that's going to be on ESPN plus. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's great marketing for the UFC to get in front of people that they're just not in front of. I don't think it'll be a question of if I think, especially for that first show, you're going to see all kinds of crazy promotion. I mean, that first ESPN plus show, I think that's going to be a loaded show. I think it's going to be, you know, hailed and treated as a big event. And ESPN is going to give a massive promotional push to that first ESPN plus UFC show. Yeah. And I would imagine you're probably going to see a pretty massive main event for that first show too. Yes. Now does those, those big fights continue on ESPN plus? Uh, I, know. No, I doubt I it. I, I think you're going to see kind of the type of fights you've seen for, uh, UFC fight pass only cards and, and kind of some of your, your lower FS one cards. You know, I, yep. I do, you know, I, as they go forward, I think the thing that I kind of sit back and say is if you're still going to do 40 to, to 45 plus events a year, can you put on 40 to 45 main events that people are excited to watch? You can't, there's just not enough talent and the platform isn't big enough to, to build those that many stars because the interest level isn't high enough. You know, it just, a lot of things have to be in line with, one another all the stars have to be in line to make a, a a real star of that magnitude and espn this deal has so many benefits to, to to the ufc but it will be difficult in certain aspects getting some of their fighters not all of them because we just highlighted some of the promotional assets that will be available to the ufc through espn plus but for a lot of fighters, they will fall through the cracks because when they're on the smaller shows, not headlined by a bigger name, 
you know, we don't know what the subscription level is for ESPN Plus, but let's just say it, it's it, it they become it's a rock star deal, and you know, a year from now there's 15 to 20 million paying for this, which is the general range that you have for an HBO or Showtime. Let's say they have 15 to 20 million paid subscribers. They run a event. A UFC runs an event on ESPN Plus. How many of that 15 to 20 million dollar, uh, not 20, not dollar, that 15 to 20 million person window? How many people of that? audience pool actually tunes in and watches the UFC on ESPN plus. That's the question. You know, I think that from a rating standpoint, these will be at least early on, will be some of the lowest rated shows and we won't hear the ratings, but in reality, they will be some of the lowest rated shows in the history of the UFC. One of the things that, um, I did think about after kind of, you know, digesting this, this news on Tuesday was I wonder, you know, when we look at what's going on with um, the MMAFA, which, of course, has been going on for years, you look at a Project Spearhead with, uh, you know, Leslie Smith and, and Cajun Johnson, I, I do wonder, will there be enough of a, a contingency of current UFC fighters that will look at $150 million for a streaming service. And who knows what they get for the regular TV rights that, you know, maybe they start to kind of sit there and go, you know, Hey, if our pay is not going up, do, do we need to stand up for ourselves? Josh gross, I think hit the nail on the head with a tweet last night. I'm going to have to paraphrase him because I don't have the tweet right in front of me, but basically said UFC fighters, if they have issues with the amount of money that the UFC is making off the fighters, they have nobody to blame, but themselves because this was coming down the pike for a while now. You know, the UFC five years ago got a deal for $100 million a year. It was a landmark deal at the time from Fox, the TV rights deal. And then just a couple of years ago, sold for $4 billion, $4 plus billion. And they're still not organized. So the fighters can't complain because they've cut their own throats multiple times, you know, throughout this process. There have been people out there that have tried to organize and the fighters have not rallied around these these organizers in in mass they they just haven't there, there's too many people still afraid of the consequences not willing to make a sacrifice for better pay and better treatment from the fight promotions so no one can do it for the fighters you know you and i can't do it bjorn revney can't do it lucas middlebrook you know jeff boris can't you know no one can will it the fighters, you know, they can try to organize, they can try to educate the fighters, put a platform out there and help them. But at the end of the day, the only people that can make a, a union or fighter association happen are the fighters themselves. And you've gotten scant amount of interest from the fighters here and there. You have not gotten a large group of fighters seriously interested in organizing against the UFC. I don't know if you uh, you saw this, but I did find it interesting. Uh, it was a quote from Dana's appearance on the UFC Unfiltered podcast, and he was uh, apparently asked about Leslie Smith and uh, you know what's going on there, the legal aspect of it, and he goes, um, "That's not my problem. Somebody else has to deal with it." And I, I found that comment very interesting because I think you can take that comment certain ways. Um, I think probably most likely that is someone inside Endeavor's legal department telling Dana White not to say anything that can be used against them in front of the National Relations Labor Board. Or do you take that as maybe a way of, you know, Dana White's not calling the complete shots anymore? Well, he lost a lot of power when the Fertitas sold. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. He may never want that acknowledged and he may not ever divulge that, you know, self volunteer that information but the reality is even though as powerful as he still remains 
still does not have the power base anywhere near to what he once had a couple years ago. Oh, no question. And, and, and it's, uh, I mean, just, I mean, look, just look at the amount of events Tana doesn't go to anymore. I think that's yeah. your biggest sign. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a time Dana was at every event, and now oh, yeah. it, it's almost like, you know, especially when, you know, when you look, if you don't see Dana sitting cage side, um, you know, I, I, I would love to know the number of fight night events Dana White went to in 2017. If UFC boxing becomes a reality and, and takes off, I think you'll see Dana become even more detached from the UFC MMA product. Yeah. How about Golden Boy wanting to get an MMA? Ah, big mistake. I mean, if you were going to do it, if you were Golden Boy and you were going to do it, the time to have done it was five to seven years ago, especially when they were closely tied into Affliction. I mean, if they really wanted to get into MMA, they should have done it then and they should have bought into Affliction and came in and, and blown out the Affliction management and just you know, ran it from a more sensible cost perspective to do it now with declining levels of interest ratings and attendance to try to, to, to even think about doing it now is, is they're going to lose it. They would lose a ton of money. They would come in, you know, they would need a lot of help and uh, they could potentially lose a lot of money if they didn't do it the right way. Yeah. I mean, and just, I mean, God, I, I, and I've said this on a podcast. I hope there is someone around Chuck Waddell that, it tells him not to fight. I mean, look, if they, if, if, if Golden Boy wants to get an MMA and, 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 you know, they want Chuck Liddell in some type of like an ambassador role, cool. But man, I, I, I would feel so awful seeing Chuck Liddell step into a cage again. Yeah. You know, last time we saw two older high profile, profile guys get into the cage as, as a freak show main event on TV, it was Kimbo Slice versus Dada 5000. Dada 5000. You know, according to him, died three times that night. But, you know, even if that's an exaggeration, he legitimately almost died. Kimbo, a couple of months later, did die. You know, you, it, it's older men and older women should not be competing in a high-level combat sporting event. That, it, just, it, it just shouldn't happen. And we've seen pretty much Bellator go away from those fights. And, um, you know, it's pretty clear and you know, to me that they're not interested in, in doing Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell. And I mean, look, and, and I'm sure that's a fight that would draw a, a massive rating for yeah. him. But, you know, I think it's become pretty clear that Scott Coker is not interested uh, in doing that matchup. I, I, you know, even though it doesn't sound like they want to go down this road, man, I would love to see Ben Askren versus Roy McDonald. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how well that would draw, but just from a, a sporting aspect, that's a fight I would just love to see. Yeah, it would be a hell of a fight. I would love to see it, but Scott Coker's made it clear that he does not want to do a one-off with Ben Askren, and the reality is he shouldn't because Askren has a high probability of beating Rory McDonald, becoming the new champ, and even if it's not for a title, he still, from a lineal standpoint, looks like the champion, and then potentially just goes away and goes back to 1FC or maybe even makes the jump to the UFC. You don't know. But because 1FC still has contractual rights to him and has not released those rights, that makes Ben Askren to Bellator look like an impossibility at this point. By the way, and we'll finish on this note, uh, if our, our listeners have not seen Michael Chandler's appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast this week, I uh, highly recommend uh, going out and, and watching that. Uh, I, I watched it uh, live the other day. It was a really, uh, really fascinating interview. I thought uh, really kind of 
uh, opened up to uh, learning more about you know just who Michael Chandler is. I thought one of the most interesting things was he talked about how basically early on in his career he didn't visualize how a fight was going to play out, and oh, wow. and he noted that uh, you know how what he does now is he just goes into an empty room and and he you know he sits there and just kind of visualize aspect. And one of the things he talked about, he says, you know, you you don't realize how long five minutes is until you're sitting in a room by yourself. And he says, you know, how many times have you know you're in a, a training session and you know you know it's for five minutes and you're grappling and you know it maybe it's not going well and you look up and only two minutes have gone and you still got three minutes left uh, but a really fascinating interview um you know i kind of walked away from it sam is that uh this might have been a little bit you know obviously uh free agency is upcoming for for michael chandler here in the next month um I I I I have to imagine that uh, this was probably something put together, maybe to, yeah, maybe maybe introduce Michael Chandler to a, a different fan. I would love to see Michael Chandler in the UFC. No disrespect to Bellator, it's just I feel like Michael Chandler has fought everyone there is to fight in Bellator, and there's so many matchups for him in the UFC that I would love to see him, you know be involved with it just it would it would be so many dream matchups and it's it's interesting that you mentioned the early stage of michael chandler's career because i had the 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 blessing to be a part of that you know it was pretty cool to have that opportunity to to be involved in promoting and matching some of his early fights and you know i've talked about it before but that fight that he had when his first ever lightweight tournament in bellator when he fought marcin held marcin held had him in a leg lock and tore up mike mike's knee I mean, you know, I don't know if it was a full tear, but there was definite ligament damage that that happened. I mean, you know, Marcin had the full crank in there. Mike got out of it, fought through it, won the fight and went on to, to win the tournament. But I remember wa- helping him walk back to the locker room and I wasn't helping him physically. But, I, you know, I was I was like, oh, my God, we are, are one of our top guys just won a fight and he's probably done for the tournament, uh, he's not gonna be able to continue through the injury. So I'm walking with him back to the locker room. I'm like, Mike, are you okay? Are you okay? And he, he just looks at me, he goes, shut up. He goes, shut up. He goes, cause he knew he was hurt and he didn't want anyone from the commission to, he didn't want to call, he didn't want to call had anyone call attention to that, to, to the commission. Cause he did not want to get a medical suspension. You know, everyone around him knew that his knee was jacked and that there was some kind of ligament damage there, but he, he, he didn't want anyone to know from the commission so that he could continue to fight a month later. And then a month after that, it was what Mike did in that tournament was insane because he was not, it was so early in his career. He was so raw and he was so far from 100% in the semifinals and the finals that it was crazy. Yeah. He kind of talked about, you know, kind of his mentality, his fight mentality back then in comparison now, which was really interesting. I mean, look, I've always said, I want fighters to make the most money. I, I, you know, ultimately don't care what the promotion is. I just want them to make the most money. Um, but, and and this is no disrespect to Bellator or the fighters in Bellator, but right now, Michael Chandler's 32 years old. Um, even if he has, he can stay healthy for the next couple of years, he probably only has two contracts left in him, most likely. You know, and, and I'm. You have to imagine his mindset is he wants to be known as the best, you know, 155 pound fighter in the world. And unfortunately for him right now, he's not going to be able to prove that with the Bellator roster right now. No, he's not. He's just not. You know, so I mean, and, and that's why I said this on my podcast or, or today. I said if if the offers are similar, I think Michael Chandler will be in the UFC. 
But if Bellator puts an offer on the table that he can't refuse financially, because he's talked about this, he said that, look, this is a business decision. You know, I have to do what's best for me and my family. Um, you know, I think for Bellator to keep a hold of him, I think they're going to have to overpay for him because I don't see the UFC overpaying uh, for Michael Chandler. I have to imagine his losses against Will Brooks have got to hurt him in in contract negotiations after you know how things went for Will Brooks in the UFC. But I think all things are even. I think Chandler would end up in the UFC, but I, I just I just feel I think he ends up back in Bellator. We'll see. We we that's that's you know it's interesting how this whole situation's played out because it was reported at one point that Mike Chandler was going back, that he was going back to Bellator it was all but a done deal, and then he came out a week later and said that's that's not true at all. So I, it's it's hard to understand exactly where negotiations are at this point and where things are headed. Hey, smart move by his management team to put him on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yep. Absolutely. Very smart move and uh, very smart move. But that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the MMA Insiders podcast. Of course, you can hear this podcast on RadioInfluence.com. Of course, over at Radio Influence, we've got a bunch of uh, new shows just debuted, a new political show called Dark to Light. So if uh, you're looking for a political podcast, be sure to check that out. And of course, Sam, let everyone know uh, how they can get a hold of you if, if they want to maybe talk to you about MMA or even maybe something involved with your business. Yeah, you know, my, my company, my marketing company for health food brands, Brand Ambassador Consultants, really taking off. Just had four more client meetings this week trying to lock down some new clients. If you are involved in a health-related food brand and are looking for some outsourced marketing help, check me out. Sam Kaplan, Kaplan with a C, B as in brand, A as in ambassador, C as in consultants, on Twitter, at Sam Kaplan, B-A-C. Check me out. Hit me up there and... uh. I love doing the show, man. This was uh this was a, this was an interesting one, Jason. Real interesting one. Uh, you know, it's crazy times. You know, just not only in MMA, but just in the world. That it goes back to what we opened with, Jason. The UFC getting a hundred and fifty million dollars a year for a secondary content part- partnership. Yeah, that that is a crazy thing, and uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting couple months. See what happens with their uh, the regular TV deal. So that will wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Insiders podcast, which you can hear on RadioInfluence.com. Follow Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan on Twitter. Find them at Jason underscore Floyd and at Sam Kaplan MMA. This is the MMA Insiders podcast on Radio Influence. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. You hear this a lot. Well, I saw a couple of practices. I saw a couple of spring games or, you know, a spring game and a couple of scrimmages. And this guy didn't look really good or he looked really good. And then come the fall, it doesn't look the same. Well, then that, that means that that practice just doesn't mean anything. Wrong. It's the opposite. When you practice, the purpose of practicing is to get better, is to improve your skills. A lot of what happens in practice, good or bad, is modified and adjusted going forward because as you are struggling with certain things, you're identifying things that a player needs to improve upon. The practice is really important because, A, it identifies a weakness. B, it it offers up corrective measures to improve those weaknesses. And the work ethic and the coaching that goes into improving those things are going to greatly determine how much better a player is going to get. 
Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 